Hello, welcome to another episode of Ask the Doula's podcast. You have Kristen and Alyssa here today, and we are excited to be back with Dr. Nave, the naturopathic doctor at Health for Life GR. Hello, thanks for having me Thanks for coming again. (laughs) Um, Last time we had an amazing conversation um, about a women's cycle, and today we want to talk about actually preparing your body for pregnancy. Yep. What do you want to say? Well, that ideally we'd start a year ahead. One year ahead. One year ahead. Okay. And so, oh, go ahead. So does that mean um, they should be off birth control like one year ahead or would you advise getting off of an IUD or birth control pills in advance of that year is my question because that's something that is commonly asked. Yeah, that's a great question. So even though ideally I say a year, if a woman wanted to say get pregnant in less than a year then I would suggest if she's coming off of an IUD that has hormones in them or an oral contraceptive to stop taking it at least three months before starting trying to conceive. Okay. Because the oral contraceptive and the IUD that has hormones, it's basically producing the hormones that your body should be responsible for making. And what women often find is that once they stop using those because basically it's like suppressing the body's own production of your hormones is that she doesn't have a period for an extended period of time and I would also want her to like detox her body and make sure that she's pooping regularly that her hormones are being made at an optimal level and basically re-establishing um what the normal cycle the optimal cycle Mm -hmm. should look like see previous podcast (laughs) Um, so if you're preparing your body for a year Mm -hmm. then that means you can stop at three months so this isn't the preparing your body this this is just a part of it yes i'm asking this question right so 12 months ahead of time of when you would ideally like to be pregnant yes you're going to talk about what to do but right three months before minimum is when you should get off a hormonal birth control pill right or iud yes okay because it gives your body time to like normalize your cycle and prepares your body to actually hold a baby so that it can grow. Okay. Yeah. So then what do we start doing at 12 months out? So 12 months out, it's basically a multifactorial approach. So stopping the things that interfere with your hormones. So like the oral contraceptive or the removing, getting the IUD removed, um, cleaning up her environment so this is like skincare products household items like household cleaning supplies being more environmentally aware of the things that she's using the foods that she's placing into her body if she's coloring her hair things like that right if she's coloring her hair nail polish things like that okay and then we would also want to address like nutrition so a lot of the foods that you are really accessible, so like going to the fast food or going to a restaurant, are foods that promote inflammation. So they're, they tend to be higher in trans fats and like refined sugars, which are all shown to um, increase infl- inflammatory products in the body. So we want to like reduce that by making sure that the woman is eating more whole foods. So when I say whole foods, I mean like from the earth, no one processed it. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, optimally. Mm -hmm. But if you're getting it frozen, that's fine too, as long as someone didn't already make it into a meal. So then you have more control and autonomy about what is being placed into your body. So what does inflammation do to affect the fertility? Okay. So um, with inflammation, 
we have more cortisol. We have dysregulation of our blood sugar. We have greater likelihood of mental and emotional disorders. We have, um, it just wreaks havoc. So a lot of like what we talked about last time with the cycle, if, if you're not having a regular period, your cortisol levels could be too high and that disrupts everything else. Right. So inflammation kind of does the same thing to your body. Yes. And things that can influence inflammation is not just the food that you eat, but like being in a constant high stress environment and not managing that effectively or not having tools to really take care of yourself and like having self-care. Like self-care is not selfish, like the way that people typically think of it as, but more so it's nurturing, nurturing of yourself and like think of the, the year leading up to pregnancy as rediscovering yourself as reconnecting to who you are and getting in the mode of I am ready to to carry a baby to full term I'm ready to take a new add a new life to my life mm-hmm. and getting connected to that and going through all uh, processing your past traumas so like mental emotional health is absolutely important with regards to getting ready to conceive Ideally, I wouldn't want someone to be seeing conception as a solution to a relational issue because it probably won't be. Right. And it will probably exacerbate a lot of those things. And so during that year leading up, dealing with your past traumas, whether they be related to, oh, I miscarried, I had a miscarriage previously, Mm -hmm. you know, dealing with like processing what happened how that affected you not just trucking along to get pregnant again but like really fully not necessarily living in it but not pushing your your emotions aside because they are valid you know mm-hmm. and like you, if whatever you haven't dealt with and this is not to guilt any woman by any means but whatever we haven't dealt with that influence the baby that influence the baby's risk for like depression and like anxiety it influences the genes and their susceptibility to different types of conditions and so in that year you're taking by you taking care of yourself you're taking care of that baby in advance as well the baby you haven't even had yet the baby you haven't even haven't had even yet. conceived yet haven't yeah. even conceived right. yet so what if a woman is a constant dieter how do you handle women who are say on a fad diet mm-hmm. Well, if they are wanting to conceive. Yeah. So I really like, I, I think I brought it. No, I didn't bring it with me, but I'll show it to you guys afterwards. I really like the book Intuitive Eating. It's written by two dietitians. And before mindfulness eating was a thing, these two dietitians came together and they're like, diets don't work. Diets are a lie. And I completely agree with that. If you think that, oh, I don't have enough willpower, you're not the one failing. The diet is failing you because they weren't built to work. They're not right. sustainable. At least the diets that people often purport. Mm-hmm. Now, I would like to reclaim the term diet because diet just means eating. What you're eating, right? What you're <laughs> eating. <laughs> right? Right? Sure. And so if you view your diet, if you view your food as nourishing yourself, as honoring yourself, as 
you fully immerse yourself in the experience of eating so smelling the food because you you eat with your eyes first so like viewing it it's appetizing you smell it you taste it you you savor the textures that are in your mouth and like the flavors that are bursting in your on your tongue and like just really immersing yourself in that and sitting in that and being mindful you have a greater connection to yourself you are then more apt to tell when something isn't going well and so if a woman is a fat dieter or isn't necessarily is using food as a coping mechanism we would then assess what is food giving you that you are not as at this time receiving okay you know and so talking about that having her read the intuitive eating book because it goes through like what type of eater are you and like reconnecting yourself to that intuitive eater because as children have you ever watched children eat they do not sit (laughs) they get up they eat what they want and then they go back around and play yes and like at some point we lose that ability to tell when we're hungry or when we want we're craving something and really honoring that and intuitive eating is all about getting back to that okay yeah so I would yeah so I would definitely work with her and address like when did this first start what is it giving you what is it not giving you and what is your motivation for doing things in this way because what is I guess encouraged by the media as what a healthy weight looks like is very cookie cutter and I'm all about individualized care and like if you look at someone's bone frame and they're like real thin and they have like big bones and you they they look sick you know or they don't feel well then that's not that's not good sure and then fitness is obviously a big question many of my birth doula clients have. Mm-hmm. What should they do um, in preparation? Mm-hmm. So if, say, you know, I was with them for the first delivery and then they want to conceive again, mm-hmm. so what would be an acceptable form of fitness um, as you're trying to conceive? What mm-hmm. should you do to get your body ready for birth and the mm-hmm. postpartum time? Mm-hmm. If you're already, yeah, if you're already exercising, just maintain it. Don't go overboard. Don't become sedentary. Moving your body at least 10 minutes per day, ideally 30 minutes, but that 30 minutes doesn't have to be in one chunk. Mm -hmm. Sure. You know, being consistent is more important than doing things really hard and really intense in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So if she's already exercising, just keep doing it. You're doing great, mom. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. No, if she's um, excessively exercising, that could be another thing that could be causing like amenorrhea. So mm-hmm. like, yes. right? You yeah, know, I have friends who have been extreme athletes who right. just don't get their period. They just right. don't get their period Gymnasts because and, yes, yeah, runners. Mm-hmm. Because like all the hormones are being turned into something else, as opposed to getting turned into progesterone and having adequate levels of estrogen so that you can even bleed. Mm-hmm. Sure. And I know some women are like, oh, I didn't bleed for a really long time and I'm so happy, but... Our bodies do this for a reason, right? It needs yep. to happen. They need to shed. It needs to happen. Yeah. We need to shed the old. Think of it as like shedding the old. It's like a new month. Mm-hmm. I'm shedding the old from last month. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's yeah. like a natural cleaning almost. Like yeah. Like a, like a detoxifying... Um, yeah, just it seems like anything else that's 
stores up in your body that needs to be shed. Right. It can create toxic levels of something. Right. It can, yeah, absolutely. It can create adverse symptoms and like, you know, like having too much estrogen is not the best thing in the world. Right. You know, mm-hmm. like last time we talked about like estrogen dominance, like how that can influence having more PMS symptoms like bloating, for instance, and being more weepy on your period. If you're not having your period, then that could be basically you're getting reabsorbing the estrogen and that could be why your periods, your PMS looks that way. Mm-hmm. But I digress. So <laughs> I have a question before we move on to whatever you want to talk about next is even with like what we're putting on our body and you see yes. our environment. Yes. So there are things that are like called hormone disruptor, things that will disrupt your hormones, yes. right? Like yes. in the products that we're putting in and on our body. Yes. Do you, what do you know about that? Um, so those are parabens or phthalates. Okay. So parabens and phthalates act- are actually made from crude oil which crude oil become you refine it and you can get parabens and phthalates you get mineral oil from it you get the gas that you put in your car from yeah so like all of these things come from this product mm-hmm. with why parabens and phthalates are an issue is that basically they act like estrogens so then that can be part of the estrogen dominance it can also affect um, increased risk for like breast cancer. Can affect like mental emotional health because remember I said estrogen can like increase like weepiness or being having a, like a lower mood on your period. Ovarian cancer, you have an increased risk for that because it's an exogenous estrogen. So it acts like estrogen. Technically, it's not estrogen, but our bodies respond to it in that way, which can also lead to like extra weight. Yes. On the topic of weight, if you want to lose weight before getting pregnant, you'd want to do that in a year before trying to conceive because with exposures to things like parabens or phthalates, which technically they're solvents, so you would usually pee them out. However, if you have like higher levels of them or you're being continuously exposed to it, our bodies store it as fat. So then when you're trying to lose the weight, you're releasing it back into your bloodstream, which can create symptoms like headaches or feeling like, oh, I feel really lethargic when I'm trying to work out. It's not necessarily because you're working too hard, but it could be because your body is like working on detoxifying or biotransforming these things so that they're no longer toxic to you. So you can pee it out and poop it, poop it out. So if you need to lose weight, that needs to happen before this 12-month time frame of detoxing before you get pregnant. It can happen in that 12-year. Within that 12 months. Within that 12 months. Not before. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You can start it before that because then, you know, you don't have as much to do (laughs) during that, you know, the 12 months. But it should be one of the things that you're thinking about a year ahead of time. Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because, like... There's so many things that we use on a daily basis that if we really thought about them, I think most of us would be scared to leave our homes, Mm -hmm. but we have to live, you know? (laughs) We need things in order to live (laughs) efficiently and not work as slow, I guess. Well, I mean, you think about the the chairs we're sitting on, you know, we try, these are as eco-friendly as we can find, but the majority of, you know, there's sprays on everything. Yeah. I looked at the new pajamas I got my daughter and it said, you know, 
the flame retardant. Yep. It said that I can't wash it in soap because the flame retardant will come off. So I can't wash. I was like, Mm-mm, I'm washing it. I'm washing all the flame retardant <laughs> off, actually. <laughs> yeah. But you don't think about that. Yeah. My daughter needs a new nightgown. You buy her a nightgown, and it's covered in a chemical so that it doesn't yeah. go into flames. Yep. And so, like, to some things that the woman can do to help get herself ready before even consulting with a physician is that with regards to environmental medicine, so opting to eat the dirty dozen, you can look at the www.ewg.com. So that's the environmentalworkinggroup.com. They release the dirty dozen each year. So these are the fruits and vegetables that have are most heavily sprayed. Hmm. Okay. So opting to eat those things in season and organic as opposed to non-organic. And what that will do for you is that the par- so pesticides have solvents, which paraben and phthalates are a type of solvent. So they have some of those components to them. By opting for organic fruits and vegetables that are on that dirty dozen, you don't have to do like all your fruits and vegetables organic preferably if they're like thin skin so like if you eat the skin Mm -hmm. of it so like tomatoes and like strawberries and Mm -hmm. berries you'd want to opt for organic but if not at least the dirty doesn't make sure those are those fruits and vegetables are organic because those pesticides have the endocrine disruptors so things that affect your estrogen and your progesterone and it's not just those things that affect but again your overall well-being but since we're on the topic of so it can because it's disrupting hormones it can affect your ability to get pregnant yes but let's say even while doing all this you get pregnant it's essentially affecting again your growing baby yes because they're you're disrupting the hormones that the baby is using to grow yes okay yeah so if if you're already pregnant don't freak out <laughs> just opt for don't try and lose weight that's one because you're pregnant so your body's trying to use all the energy to make baby (laughs) as well as the fact that we don't want to release any of the stored toxins in your fat to the baby Mm -hmm. but what you can do is like if you're going to eat fish make sure that it's not one that's high in mercury yeah so like avoiding things like swordfish and if you're going to eat tuna, make sure that, I think it's like albacore tuna, don't quote me on that. You can look at the Environmental Working Group and there are other resources as well that list all the fish that are lowest in mercury. Okay. Looking at your skincare products and as much as you can and much as much as is possible, avoiding like shampoos and skincare products that have like parabens or phthalates or sulfates in them also because you know sulfates rub down your skin and it's not as moisturizing and we want you to look glowing and (laughs) magnificent (laughs) so there's that so you can avoid those things in your skincare products in your household items um the food that you eat so cleaning products obviously yes cleaning products yeah and if anything has any fumes and you have to spray it make sure that you have all the windows and doors open so it can air out if you get your clothes dry cleaned and you have a garage leaving them in the garage to off gas Mm -hmm. 
before taking them into your house or if you don't have a garage if you have them in a room or you can have a rod that you can have um, remove the plastic that they usually give sure. you a dry open cleaning a window in. or something open the window the yeah and let them air out so that you're not exposing yourself to those fumes yeah and just just do that and then after the fact then we can address those things then and then they would meet with you for a consultation, yep. preconception to try to get their body as healthy yeah. as possible. And even if she is already pregnant, what can we do to maintain the pregnancy while also minimizing her exposure to these environmental toxins? Sure. Yeah. And her addressing her mental health during that time, mm-hmm. if she hasn't already started that process. Mm-hmm. Is she eating, eating adequate amount of calories? Is she getting... So let's since we're on the topic of nutrition... Prenatal vitamins, you would start it at that year old. Yes. Okay. A year ahead of time. A year ahead of time. And obviously food-based versus yes. yeah, the yes. generic, what you get at the, the normal yeah. doctor's office. Yeah, I've heard the free, you know, you get free prenatals at the pharmacy. We, They're we basically have, junk. We have very good quality ones <laughs> as naturopathic yes. doctors, and I think DOs also have really so, high quality ones as let's well. Let's say yeah. for somebody who can't afford. Yes. Then, what are those over-the-counter free print? Are they doing any good? Yes. Okay. Um, because they have folate, and they have adequate number of B vitamins. They have it's like a multi that's specifically geared towards not only mother's health, mom's health, but also making sure that the baby can develop well. So, like folate is the one that I'm most thinking about at this present time because folate is important for neural development. So like the spinal cord mm-hmm. and what happens if there's insufficient or no folate is that the neural tube doesn't close and then that can cause like spina bifida, which is a preventable condition if the mom is getting adequate vitamins. And so folate is B9. Oh, folate is a B vitamin. Yeah, it's a B vitamin. So it's a water-soluble vitamin that's very important for the neural tube development. Now, what about, and I've heard, so my best friend found out she has this, and what's the name? You can't, your body can't absorb folate. Um, Oh, right. Um, I forget what it's called. I know what you're talking about. So she actually had a really hard time getting pregnant because she was taking too much folic acid. Yes. So... But how do you, if you don't know you have this, then... If you don't know you have it, if possible, choosing a supplement that has methylated B vitamins, so methylfolate as opposed to hydroxylated folate, is better because what happens... So what Alyssa was talking about is called um, MTHFR. Yes, 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 yes. There's another name that we think of. (laughs) (laughs) So it's methylated tetrahydrofolate um, reductase. So that's an enzyme that basically when you take in folate, for most people, they can then attach a methyl group to it, which makes it active, bioactive. So there's this cycle that um, you need methylation to occur in order to make the B vitamins... um, Active, okay. which is important for making like your red blood cells, which is important for energy production, which is important for getting energy from your food. So like B vitamins, I think of them as like the powerhouse sidekick. Okay. 
because like almost every enzyme in the body requires B vitamins. I have this lovely chart right here that shows the citric acid pathway, basically utilizing our food to make energy pathway. And like almost every single step in here requires two or three different types of B vitamins. Mm -hmm. There are even B vitamins that are enzymes themselves and like carry things along. It's like, anyways. So I love B vitamins. <laughs> so, um, so the free ones are helpful. Yes, not it's better than nothing. Yes, it's better than nothing. But if possible, there are different brands that we use as naturopathic doctors that you can probably try and get in like Amazon, mm-hmm. like Ortho Molecular or like um, Integrative Therapeutics Initiative. I think is the name of it. ITI. So I know those are like pharmaceutical grade. And when when I say pharmaceutical grade, I mean like they have enough of the vitamin, like it's beyond the recommended dose. Like what the diet, um, the government says like, this is minimally what you need. And it's good therapeutic value. So we know that it will do what it says it says it's going to do. And they tend to have more of the methylated form. So like whether the mother has a, difficult time methylating her B vitamins or if she doesn't it's not it takes a more work for the body to do so then it can go right to where it needs to go okay yeah that's fascinating yeah Yeah. is there anything we didn't touch on I don't think so we talked about environmental medicine and reducing your exposure Um, we talked about nutrition making sure you're getting enough calories oh fish oil vitamin d Three specifically, okay. vitamin D3, because that's the active form, and premenatal vitamins with regards to eating whole foods. Okay. And we don't get enough vitamin D in Michigan anyway, and I mean, I know that, and again, I don't have a medical background, but I know mm-hmm. a lot of research on preeclampsia shows a lack of vitamin D3. Yes. So. Yep. Another thing about preeclampsia is um, calcium and magnesium. So um, if a woman starts to experience preeclampsia, making sure that it's usually, I shouldn't say usually, sometimes it's due to an electrolyte balance and not getting enough protein. So we would want to look at how much protein is she getting. The ratio that we usually look for is at least 0.8 to 1 gram of protein per kilogram of weight. So however many pounds you weigh, divide your weight by 2.2 and that tells you how much kilograms and then it's like 0.8 to 1 gram per that she should be getting. Um, and so if she's getting adequate protein, has enough calcium and magnesium, then she shouldn't get preeclampsia. If she has a history of hypertension, making sure we're managing that, whether naturally or if she's taking medication, sure. as long as it's not one that would interfere with conception would help to prevent it from happening. But even if a woman experiences preeclampsia, it doesn't automatically mean that she will get eclampsia because we can still, at that point in time, address what's going on. Right. Well, thank you so much. Um, I just, I feel like we can keep going and going. (laughs) You probably have 80 other topics we can talk about. We'll just have you back once a week. (laughs) For sure. Oh, I'd I'd be known for that. (laughs) 
that's we for should. sure. We'll set up a couple more. Um, <laughs> well, tell our listeners where to find you if they want to reach out. Okay, so you can find me at www.healthforlifegrandrapids.com, and you can find me on uh, Instagram, Dr. Gainal Nave ND. And I'm also on Facebook at the same handle, Dr. Okay. Daniel Navendi. Great. Yeah. Thanks again. Thanks yes, so my pleasure. Yeah. And as always, you can find us at goldcoastdoulas.com. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and you can listen to our podcast, Ask the Doulas, on SoundCloud and iTunes. Thanks for listening.